everybody, are you ready to study the scriptures? Yes or no? All right, aren't you glad to be in church today, everybody? Isn't that good? So good to be with everybody. Let's pray over this and we'll go. Heavenly Father, we love you, and so we want you to speak to us today according to your word. We want you to move. We want you to work. We want you to transform us. We would like to leave here different than the way that we showed up. So would you do that today? We bless you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Um, have you ever had this experience? You're listening to a song in the car with somebody that you know, and you're singing along the words, and then you sing these words, and they're totally not the real words of the song. And the person that is sitting with you, they're like, what did you say? And you're like, oh, I just said, and they're like, that's not how it goes. And your whole worldview shifts. Have you ever experienced that? You're not alone, right? I, I found some people through Twitter that have had this thing where you mishear some lyrics. And I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to share some of them with you. Like this first person thought, this song from Kiss, right? I want to rock and roll all night and part of every day. Part, just a, there's a very specific time during the day where I would like to party. It's really between like 11 and 11.30. I like to party right there before I get to lunch. So that's very interesting. So did anybody think that? Anybody? You were, no? Yeah, okay. All right, go to the next one. So uh, how about this? Bob, 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 Oran. Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> and and more, more disconcerting, my parents' names are Bob and Ann. Like I was, so, I was so confused about why the Beach Boys were singing about my parents every day. Bob or Ann, all right? How about this one? I heard if you start me up by the Rolling Stones as, In Yugoslavia, in Yugoslavia you'll never starve. I'm not sure if that's true actually, but, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a hard one though. Come on. Uh, all right, so what else we got? We got uh, <laughs> Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. <laughs> it actually kind of makes more sense than all the others. I don't, I don't understand the other ones. <laughs> what else you got? Uh, we've been spending most of our life living with a gangster's pair of dice. Anybody? Oh, they, all you Coolio fans, I see you. I see you. <laughs> Listen to Coolio, okay. All right, what else you got? Uh, the Gloria Estefan song. I always thought it was... Elizabeth's gonna get you, Elizabeth's gonna get you, Elizabeth's gonna get you tonight. Oh, I've got nightmares about that song now. It makes me afraid. I think you get the idea. We've had these experiences where we hear things and we didn't think it was this, we thought it was this, and we get confused. And honestly, I feel like so many people approach hearing the voice of God in the same way. They get so concerned and so nervous and so consumed with, I'm going to get it wrong. I'm going to mess it up. I don't know how. What if I hear the wrong thing? And so today we want to spend just a few minutes as we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and we want to talk about how to hear the voice of God. Most of you know we've been in this series called Better, and we're kind of reaching the end of it, actually, just a couple more weeks. And the goal of this series has simply been to help each of us to develop an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. Our key verse has been 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The, Paul prays the amazing grace of the master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. It's Paul's prayer to the Corinthians, and it's our prayer for us today. Jesus himself said that his spirit is the promise of better. We read it in John 16, 7. He says, but I tell you the truth, it is, everybody say it, better. 
It's better for you that I go away. For if I may not go away, the comforter will not come to you. And if I go on, I'm going to send him to you. So what does this really mean for all of us today? Just by way of recap, John 14, 16, Jesus said, And I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper that may abide with you forever. That word helper in the Greek is the word parakletos, and it simply means comforter. It means intercessor. It means advocate. It means somebody that comes alongside you to walk with you and to help you. That's who the Holy Spirit is, and that's what he does. My goal has been to try to help you get past your preconceived notions and some of the fears and maybe some of the bad experiences that have swirled around this topic of who the Holy Spirit is and to develop friendship with him. He wants to help you. He wants to guide you through life. He wants to speak to you, and everybody, that's better. That's better than living life under our own strength. So one of the ways the Holy Spirit wants to do this, wants to make your life better, is he wants to speak to you. He wants you to hear and understand and be able to follow his voice and do what he's called you to do. Jesus talks about it in John 16. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears me speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine, and he will declare it to you. The Holy Spirit wants to talk to you. Every single one of us in this room. He wants to instruct. He wants to guide. He wants to counsel. He wants to walk with you through the difficult circumstances of your life. He wants to help you do things beyond your natural ability that you thought you would never ever be able to do. Jesus talks about it again. John chapter 10 verse 3. He says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, the shepherd, and the sheep, they listen to his voice. We, he calls his own sheep by name. He knows you. He knows who you are. He wants to have a relationship with you specifically, and he leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep, they follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. The sheep, they listen to his voice. The followers of Jesus, they listen to his voice. They follow along and do what he says. One of the main characteristics of a child of God is this ability, that you are led by the Spirit of God. They hear his voice, they follow him. This is not just for super Christians, because there's no such thing. This is not for the elite, this is for everybody. Everybody is invited in to this story and gets to do this. This is not something that should just happen every so often. This is something that should be able to happen in your life every single day. That's not to say that, that we should all be hearing the audible voice of God everywhere we go. Oh, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Oh, I hear him. I got a word, brother, if you remember. No, no, I, I'm not really talking about that. We, 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 we shouldn't all be hearing, hearing uh, seeing visions all the time. Oh, hang on, I'll get back to you. I'm seeing something. We're not going to all see handwriting on a wall. We're not going to be led around by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. That's not to say that those kinds of things won't happen to you and that God won't speak in those kinds of ways. But a lot of times we look at Abraham and we look at Moses, we look at Joshua, we look at Daniel, and we think, oh, that's how God has to speak to me. Maybe. Maybe he will. But I just want to tell you there's much more common ways that God speaks to all of us throughout the day. And you can do this. And oftentimes we miss him. Sometimes we're just not paying attention. 
Sometimes we're just not in a space where we listen, or oftentimes we just don't think that he will. So why do we miss it? Why do we miss out on the voice of God so often? I think for many of us, we don't constantly cultivate a personal relationship with him. You don't spend time actively talking, listening, being with him in the morning or in the evening, reading the scriptures, spending time in worship, pausing to listen. So your, your relationship is inactive. And you're like, why isn't he speaking to me? Well, you don't know what his voice sounds like. You're not having any conversations. Oh, that came a little stronger than I wanted it to. Okay, welcome to church, everybody. Here we go. Um, I think sometimes we're distracted by being busy. I'm just so busy. We're distracted by the materialism of our world, or we're distracted by social media, Netflix, and we're distracted by so many other things that pull our attention different ways. I think many of us, we live with habitual and unconfessed sin. We just have this sin that's, that's a kind of a secret lying dormant in us, and we're just trying to hide and cover it up. And so your sin is separating you from God, and you're wondering, I wonder why God isn't listening or speaking. It's because you've got unconfessed sin, and so you've separated. I think there's lots of reasons why we don't do this. But we've got to plug in, and we've got to be able to listen to what he wants to say to everybody. We've got to hear his thoughts about us. We gotta hear what he wants to say to direct. It's so important for the for the life that he's called us to live here. And I think I think God speaks in lots of different ways, by the way. And I just want to roll through some of them really quick with you. Like I think one of the primary ways that God speaks is he speaks through his word. He speaks through the word of God. I talk to lots of people all the time, and they're like, Well, God doesn't ever say anything to me. And I'm like, Well, when's the last time you read the scriptures? And they're like, because they don't want to answer. Meanwhile, there's a Bible on the shelf going, hey, I got things to say to you, man. God's already said a bunch of stuff. If you'll just read, he'll talk to you. I think God speaks through visions. Sometimes you do. You see a picture of something when you're awake, maybe in the middle of worship or prayer or just at random. I think God's through, God speaks through what we would call a word, kind of like an inspired thought. An inspired thought where you just have this thing that drops into you. It's kind of what happened to me today. I just got hung up on this word. My confidence is your faithfulness. And God spoke to me and subsequently through you, to you through me. I think he speaks through what some call an inner caution. <laughs> it's a weird way of saying, some of you grew up with it like this. You grew up saying, I got I to gotta check in my spirit. You know, anybody, any of you grew up that? Oh, brother, I got to check. I got to check. It's, I think the check lives here. I'm not sure why, but <laughs> lives here. You, you kind of scratch the check occasionally and, oh, brother, I got to check. Check my spits. It's a, I'm sorry. I apologize for that. Uh, it's just this thing where, where you kind of go, oh, well, it's like a red light. It's like a yellow light. Whoa, hey, caution. Hang on. Don't do that. And you just kind of know that's God speaking to you. God speaks sometimes through his audible voice, like people hear him say something. God sometimes speaks through that still, small voice, just a little whisper. It's just a, a, a whisper, or sometimes I like to think of it as a, as a thought that kind of comes across your heart. You're not thinking it here. You're just kind of thinking it here. Some people call what he does bearing witness, and that's just a, a, it's a weird way of saying, uh, I have peace about it. Bearing witness, I've got a peace about this situation that I can follow. I just have a knowing in my heart that this is the course of action. God speaks through dreams sometimes when you're asleep, and, and God thinks, he speaks through preaching of the word, just like I'm doing here. God will speak things to you that I'm not saying. It happens all the time. People come up and say, oh, pastor, that was a great word. Listen, I loved when you said da 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 and I'm like, I didn't say that. <laughs> it's because the Holy Spirit was speaking something 
while I was speaking. It's pretty incredible. I think sometimes he speaks to people according to their personality. So for me, I, I've, always been, uh, I've always been a learner of pop culture as a longtime youth pastor. And so, so there was a moment when Maria and I, and most of you probably heard the story, we were trying to decide if we were going to come and move to, to, from Colorado Springs to Austin and help Ross and Amy plant the church. And God spoke to us through John Bon Jovi. Because why not? You know what I'm saying? John Bon Jovi and living on a prayer. And it was weird. There are all these points of our journey where we're about to do something scary, and the radio would be on in the car or in a building, in a, in a store somewhere. We'd be making a major decision, and what would come on the radio? Whoa, living on a prayer. I know, you think it's dumb, but I'm telling you, God was using a moment to speak to both of us. Am I lying? I'm not lying. If You can trust my wife, so... Amen. <laughs> there have been different moments where he spoke, to, he spoke to something significant to me through the movie, The Dark Knight. You feel me. And Rocky Balboa has been a great source of ministry to me through the years. Listen, I'm not making jokes. I'm serious. Uh, he's spoken to me. He wants to speak to you, everybody. The question is, how do we know? Oh, is it God? Is it the devil? Is it the pizza that I had at 11.30 last night? Like, what, what is speaking to me right now? And it's not always easy to get it right. Peter didn't get it right. The original followers of Jesus, they didn't get it right. Peter's the guy. That's, he, he said, Jesus says, hey, who do they say? Who do you say I am? And he says, oh, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, oh, Peter, you didn't just know that. My father revealed that to you. And then you read just a few verses lower, and Jesus says to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> Maybe he said it nicer, I don't know. Peter didn't always get it right, and we don't always get it right either. Now, I know you're like, well, but we got to get it right. People get hurt in the church if we don't get it right, and that's true. And some of you, you've been hurt by it, actually. And so you're leery of all of this. You're nervous about all of it. But listen, I just want to tell you, so i got to be honest with you. If we're going to step into this and all that God has for us, we're going to have to take the risks to sometimes be willing to get it wrong. I don't want you to get it wrong. I want you to get it right. But if we're going to practice, if we're going to learn from time to time, we're going to get it wrong. That's why when you hear something, you have to submit it. You submit it to authority. You submit it to the community of people that are around you, your small group. You, you apologize if you get it wrong. Oh, sorry. And you know what, everybody? That's not a big deal. You apologize and say, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll try again. You apologize for it and you forgive. <laughs> You forgive if somebody gets it wrong to you. I'm willing for us to practice and to learn and to grow in this. So let me just help you a little bit. I want you to say something like this. Hey, I feel like the Lord spoke something to me. May I share it with you? Great. And then just go for it. And then say, did that, did that mean anything to you? Did that resonate with you? No, it didn't. Okay. All right, great. Well, you know, maybe it will later. Maybe it won't. But hey, love you. Let's try again. No harm, no foul. Good stuff. I want you to think that way with me. That's why we have to be cautious about, thus says the Lord. We're just vessels. I don't want you to be too strong on, thus says the Lord. I want you to say, I think the Lord may be speaking. Let's find out if it's a reality. That's a beautiful journey for all of us to go on together. All right, all right, all right. Um, how do we know then? How do we know if he's speaking? 1 John 4, 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So he says, don't believe every spirit. 
You have to test it. Don't immediately believe what's been said to you. Don't immediately believe that thing that you're feeling. You have to test and see if it's right. Some of you have heard the story that I've told about me being in a tent meeting in Washington, sitting with my sister. Now, my brother-in-law, Darren, who's now married to my sister, and me, we looked a lot alike when we were young. And so I sat there in that meeting with my arm around my sister, because I was in college, hadn't seen her for a while. And so at the end of that meeting, the guy who was speaking, he pulled the two of us out, and he prophesied a word over us for our marriage. Guess what I did? I tested that word to see if that was a reality. And guess what? He missed it. <laughs> it was not a reality. It seems silly. But you know what? I have spoken to people, and I know stories of men and women who have said, you know what? I know. I believe that God has spoken to me and told me I'm to leave my spouse and be connected to this other person. Nope. You missed it. That's not a reality. And I don't care what the circumstances are. That is not what God is saying. And I'm going to help you figure that out here, hopefully. But it just feels right, Brent. It just, but it feels right. Yeah, fine. But you got another spirit that's going on there, not the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 14, 12 said, there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. And this is how most people live today, by their feelings. And they attribute their feelings to God and claim that it's him that's doing that. But nowhere in the scriptures does God say that he wants you to be happy. That is not his main goal for your life. God wants you more holy than he wants you happy. Now, I actually think that he likes both. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. <laughs> I don't want a church that's full of people that are just holy and nobody's happy. No, I don't want to be a part of that. <laughs> and I think that your holiness actually leads to your happiness. But your search for happiness is really going to leave you miserable. And according to this scripture, it's eventually going to lead you to death. So I want to give you four ways quickly that you should test. That you should test the spirits. That you should test when you think God is speaking to you. And each one of these are good. But the best way to handle this is just to utilize all four. It's kind of like a checklist for you to go down. And so the number one thing is, does it agree with the Bible? You hear something in you? You hear something for somebody else? Somebody says something to you? Well, does it agree with the Bible? Because God's never going to say something that won't agree with what he's already said. That will never, ever happen. Another way to say it, God's voice will never contradict God's word. He'll never say one thing that goes against something he's already said. That's why those people who say, oh, God told me I'm supposed to leave my spouse and be married to this person. Nope, that's not what the scripture says. Matthew 19, 3 some Pharisees came to test him, and they asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? And Jesus replies, haven't you read? Haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh? So they're no, no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. I love this, because Jesus doesn't even answer the question. Hey, Jesus, got a little test for you. What about this? And Jesus says, what, what, didn't you read it? I, it's written. It's already there. Like, why are you coming to me? It's already there. It's already written down. There's no need to seek me out on this. And this is the best answer, by the way, I think, everybody. And this is the way that I want to lead in this church. People come to me and say, oh, Pastor Brent, what do you think about so-and-so? What do you think about? Well, I may have an opinion, but, but what's, what makes you think my opinion is so important? 
I want to go to the scriptures and let's see what God has to say about it. I'm going to live my life according to what he's already written down. He's God. He's the one who decides. He determines right from wrong. And so I'm just going to follow him. I'm not going to live by my opinions. I'm not going to live by my feelings. I'm going to live by what he says. By the way, divorce gets picked on a little bit in the church. And I I don't mean to do that at all by pointing this out. Divorce is no worse than any other sin that we commit. And, And I'm telling you, God can do some redemptive things in the middle of divorce. And actually, he's doing, there's some great stories in our church right now of God doing this. It's really cool. Thank God for that. It's pretty awesome. Luke 21, 33. And though all heaven and earth shall pass away, he says, my words, they remain forever true. Now, some people will. They'll go to the word of God and they'll take it out of context to try to prove a point that they're trying to get across to you. And it's pretty easy to do this. You've probably seen it a time or two. Because you can go to just about any verse and you'll be tempted to, to do that yourself as you go through this process because you want the word to agree with you. But you can mess this up. I can prove some things to you right now. Would you like me to do it? I'll prove a couple things to you. I can prove that Joshua, in the Old Testament, he rode a motorcycle. I can prove it. Joshua 26, 7 says, Joshua's triumph was heard throughout the land. <laughs> hey, it's not me. It's the scriptures. I'm sorry. I can prove to you that Moses was a tennis player. And you didn't know that, but he was. I think that might have been what he was doing when he saw the burning bush, but I'm not sure. Hebrews 11.24 says, Moses refused to serve in the courts of Pharaoh. We're going to do it. <laughs> oh, no, not here. Not doing it. No. I would never say this, but some pastors have said that you can prove that there'll be no women in heaven. I, I, I would never say this. I wouldn't do it. Revelation 8.1 says, there was not a sound heard in heaven for half an hour. I, w- I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. Now, hold up, hold up, hold up. Before you get too mad and you send me an email, some, some very smart woman responded and said, yeah, well, there ain't going to be no preachers either. So, touche, touche, touche. No women. Babe, that does not sound like heaven to me. Um, man, you guys are making me too long. We've got to keep going. I think you get the idea. You take what you hear and you submit it to the word. You submit it to what God has to say. We have to submit every voice that we hear to the word of God. Allow the word to shape our beliefs and our thoughts and our actions. Allow the word of God to confirm or reject what you think is from God. Start there. The second thing that you do then is you'd say, well, will this make me more like Jesus? If I do this thing, will it make me more like Jesus? If I follow through Will it make me more like Jesus? By the way, I think this is the main goal once you give your life to Christ. I'm just trying to figure out, I'm going to do these things and become more like Jesus. Philippians 2.5 says, in your lives, you must think and act like Christ Jesus. So you hear something and you think, oh, I'm supposed to do this. Oh, I need to send this email. All right, is that going to make you more like Jesus or less? Oh, I'm, oh, I'm, oh, I'm posting this. Oh, I'm commenting on this. Is that going to make you more like Jesus or less like Jesus? Oh, I'm supposed to go to this place. Oh, I need to do this thing. I need to say something to this. Okay, okay, good. Is that going to make you more like Jesus or less like Jesus? Does it, does it correspond with what the word has already said? And will it make you more like Jesus? Now we're starting to get somewhere. 2 Corinthians 10.5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive all these thoughts. We take them captive and we make them obedient to Christ. Well, Brent, I'm kind of new to all this. I'm just new to faith. And so how do I know? 
How do I know if it's going to make me more like Jesus? Well, there's lots of ways to do that. James gave us a really good list, a really good start. James chapter 3, verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure. Is it pure? Then it's peace-loving. Is it considerate? Is it submissive? Is it humble? Is it full of mercy? Does it have good fruit out of it? Is it impartial? Is it sincere? Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So I want you to live that kind of life. I want you to forgive over and over again. I want you to be kind. I want you to think about what you're saying. I want you to think about how you're reacting with people. And I want you to always look more and more and more like Jesus. And by the way, I think it's foolproof 90% of the time. Like it works over and over and over again. But that's why we have other tests. And we should use them all together. So you'd say, does it make me more like Jesus? Then you'd say, well, does godly counsel agree? Now, I didn't say goodly counsel. And then say, you'd get your buddies together and just ask them about it. Does godly counsel agree with what you have to say or what you've heard? Do I have pastors, leaders, mentors, friends that I trust that can speak into this? And if I don't, everybody, it's time to start. Time to get in a group. Time to jump into Catalyst as soon as possible. Jump on a team today because you need to be surrounded by good people that can help you do this. And I can tell you, there's lots of times where people come to me and sit in my office, and they're not looking for godly counsel. What they're looking for is approval. They want me to agree with what they've already said. They want me to say, yeah, that's right. And they're really discouraged when sometimes I say, oh, no, that's not it. That's not it at all. Sometimes you get, sometimes you get some voices, even when you ask, they don't agree. You ask some trusted people, and they say, oh, I don't know about that. Oh, yeah, I think that. So what do you do? Well, you just start to look for agreement. Ask a few more trusted people. Don't just ask anybody. Ask a few trusted people and look for the agreement. When somebody says, you know what? I'm not sure you should do this. Well, pause and say, okay, maybe. Maybe that's right. Ask somebody else. And you see two or three more people say, yeah, I think that you should. Well, you can probably trust in that if you have godly counsel. But if two or three people say, oh, no, you shouldn't do this. Stop. Don't do it. Just immediately quit what you're doing. Trusted people. Godly counsel is these kinds of people. It's people who know God. They know him. They have a personal relationship. They know God's word. They are versed in the scriptures, and they can actually offer you something helpful. And they know you. They know who you are. They know your bags. They know your issues, and they still love you anyway. And if you'll talk to those people, you'll do well. Then you ask this question and say, well, all right, do I have peace? The fourth test is simply, do I have peace? And this it's one thing that separates Christianity from every other religion. We don't just have a God that's out there that we talk about, that we worship, that we serve. We have a God that lives and resides inside of us. He actually is in us, living with us, working with us, speaking to us, giving us peace. God's spirit comes and lives in us, and that, everybody, is so powerful. It's an incredibly powerful opportunity that you have. And so he'll speak from time to time. And you've heard it sometimes. And sometimes you felt the clash, haven't you? You feel the clash. You've got, it's, like, it's like the cartoon with the, you know, the little devil on your shoulder and then the little angel over here. And you're trying to figure out who's right and what's right. And you don't know. For me, most of the time it happens over food and exercise. <laughs> In most cases, the angel, bink. And so I'm a work in progress, everybody. You've got to pray for me. You felt that tension before, though, and how does the Holy Spirit speak to us? Often through peace. Through peace. You follow the peace that he gives you. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, For God is not a God of disorder, but he's a God of peace. 
as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Maria and I saw this most clearly when we moved to Austin because it didn't make sense. If you put it all on paper, it didn't make sense. I was at a large church serving. I'd been there for many years. Uh, We had a great home that we loved. We were building a life and a family there, and we were choosing to leave all of that behind to come down here for something that we didn't know if it would work or not. We believed it would. We had faith that it would, but you never know. I think something like 80% of church plants, they fail. And so, so we, we came down with no money. We came down with no friends. We came, well, Ross and Amy, they're kind of friends, I guess. We came down with, we came, we came down with, we came down with nothing. And so if you put it on paper, pros and cons, all right, uh, it's a bad career move quote unquote, this is not the best idea for you to do. And so, so we decided we're going to do it. Why did we decide that? Because we just had a peace. It was scary. Everything else was scary. But inside we had some sort of peace, peace enough to pack up our house, put it in a truck and move down here with no guarantees in a really bad housing market. And that house didn't sell for a long time. Why would we make such a foolish decision? Because we had peace. God said go. And he was going to take care of the rest of it. I, I'm not talking about, oh, I just feel kind of good about this. No, I'm talking about I have a knowing in my life. I know that I know that I know that this is what God is saying. So how would we do this, everybody? How do we do this? Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all your understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That word understanding, it simply means human reasoning. Isn't that great? Which transcends God's peace, which transcends all human understanding. It doesn't make sense at all. It will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus. That word guard, it's a military word. It means like an army. It means a garrison. It means a huge bunch of really tough dudes gathered around and dudettes. Gathered around, gathered around your heart protecting it. That's what that word means. I don't care what the circumstances are in your life today. I know they're scary, I know they're difficult, but God wants to guard you. He wants to put a garrison of peace around your life to guard you and to help you and give you strength to handle it. So as we close here, you guys come on up, I just want to leave you with a few really quick and practical things just to maybe help you as you go through this process and journey. The first thing that I want to encourage you to do is you go and you try to live this out and check off these four tests to see what God is really saying. I want to encourage you to tune into God every day. Tune in. Spend time getting to know his voice. Right here, I have, um, this is my daughter, Reese. She, she, bought this little, she bought this little radio at a flea market in upstate New York for $1. It's a good purchase. Yesterday, it, it broke, and so the, the, the antenna was a little wobbly and wasn't working, and uh, apparently it's not still. So I tried to fix it and failed. So, uh, but, but she was like, Dad, I can't get it to work. And so, so we, we started working on it and fixing this. And as you can see, we put a little aluminum foil on the top there because apparently that's what you used to do. And, um, and so, <laughs> and you know what? It started to work. 
And so then we started, she was like, Dad, I, when I go to bed, I want to listen to Christian music on the way, on the way to sleep. So, so we started to try to tune it in. And a beautiful keyboard sound came out. We tried to tune it in, and we couldn't. We, it took us a while, and then finally, it started to come through. We started to hear some, some music that she wanted to hear. It sounded better than that. But it took a little work. It took a little effort. It took a little energy. I had to tune in. I had to spend time listening. I had to spend time trying to find it. In the same way, I want you to do it. Spend time tuning into him. Don't make Bible reading the goal. Don't make I prayed and checked off my list the goal. Make tuning in the goal. I actually spent time with him. If it's five minutes, that's great. But the goal is I just want to tune in and connect with him. Because here's the important thing. You need to get to know his voice and what he sounds like and how he speaks. And if you'll tune in, you'll start to know. If my wife was to call you the way she calls me, you would not know who it is. But with two letters, I know who it is on the phone. Without, call, without, uh, what do you call it? Thank you, caller ID. Without that, I know who it is. I pick up the phone and she says, yo. <laughs> and I just know immediately, because I know that's a weird way that we communicate to one another. And I know the sound of her voice. Why? Because I spent the most time with her. I can pick her out of a crowd. I know where she is. Because I spent the most time with her. If you'll tune into God every day, you'll begin to do the same thing. You'll start to hear and know, and you'll be able to pick him out of all the other noises. Second thing really quick is I want you to tune out all the negative stuff. Tune out all the negative voices. Listen, I've never been big on telling you you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to not watch this on Netflix, you need to not listen to that. I've never done that in all of my years, even of youth ministry. I always just said, you need to let the word of God be the filter for everything that you allow in. So I'm just encouraging you, take a moment, pray, ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? And do you like me watching this show? Last year, I gave up a show that I was watching, and it was just real violent. And it just became too much. And I just said, you know what? I really enjoy this, but I'm going to give it up. Because I just feel like it's not good for me. Because he spoke to me. And I eliminated it. Social media and Netflix and Hulu and the internet and all these other things. Always constantly coming in. And people will say to me, well, Brent, you know what? It doesn't bother me, man. Horror and horrid violence and swearing and sex. and all. It doesn't bother me. Maybe that's a problem. I'm not, I'm not trying to dig here. I just, maybe that's not the right thing for a Jesus follower, that all that stuff is just fine and it does nothing to me. The dehumanization of another person doesn't do anything to me. Oh, it's just entertainment. I won't tell you what to do. I'm not. I don't think you should cancel your Netflix. I love Netflix. I don't think you should throw your phone out and be a hermit up in the mountains somewhere. I don't think you should do that. I'm just proposing would you just ask? When's the last time you said, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to allow in? And then you just do what he says. If he says, hey, you're good, then you're good. Maybe check it with the other four things. Okay. Let's wrap this up. Let's finish. The final thing is I just, well, here's John 10, 5. Talks about this idea. We already read it, but here it is in the message version. It says, they, his sheep, they're not going to follow a stranger's voice, but they'll scatter because they aren't used to the sound of it. 
I want the world to kind of be like that to me. I want, I want things of the world that are inappropriate for me in my life. I, I want it to be like that. Oh, that's a, that's a stranger's voice. I'm going to scatter. I'm, I'm out of here. The last and final thing that I want to encourage you to do is take a step towards the things that God has already told you. All across the room, you've already heard God say some things to you, and you're still waiting. If you want to activate all this in your life, just take the next step out. Just a small one. Just take a step out to what God's already called you to do. Why would he continue to speak to us when we're still camping out on the last thing that he told us to do? When my kids come to me and say, I say, hey, go clean your room. Okay. And they come back and say, hey, can I, can I play Fortnite? Did you clean your room? Well, no. Go clean your room. <laughs> You're not doing the next thing. Go clean your room. I just think that's how it works. So why don't you close your eyes, bow your heads. And all across this room, I just want you to open up your life to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because I'm telling you, you can live this way. He has a voice. It's loud and clear, and he's always speaking. He wants to speak to you. So Holy Spirit, across this room, would you speak to us now? Sensitize, resensitize our ears and our hearts to your voice and to what you want to do. For those things that are in us already that we've heard and we haven't acted on, God, we want to act today, so just give us the courage to take the next steps. Help us to do it. Some of you, you may be in a position where you don't recognize the voice of God at all because you've never had a relationship with him. You can fix that today. God loves you so much. He sent his only son, part of himself, into the world to die on a cross to pay the penalty for all of our mistakes, all of our sins. Because our sins separated us from God and he sent his own son, part of himself, to die pay the price that we owed and restore us to relationship with him. And all that's required is a faith-filled, a faith-filled surrendering of your life to him. And we'll help you with all the other stuff. If that's you today and you, you want to make that first step, maybe you just pray a prayer like this and say, God, I surrender my life to you. I believe in you. I'm choosing today to believe in Jesus, the cross, the resurrection, all of it, and I want it applied to my life today. Thank you for dying for me. Would you cleanse me of my sin? And the best way I know how, I'm surrendering my life to you right now. Help me. Thank you in Jesus' name. That's a beautiful, beautiful prayer. And we'll help you with all the next steps. We have one more thing that we're gonna do here before we go. And so if you would, I want you to look back up here at me really quick. Because before we leave, I want to ask each of you to do something with me. And it's going to push you a little bit to lean into this idea of hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. A few weeks ago, we started thinking about, you know, this idea that was like, we were like, oh, this is crazy. This is a no, that's a crazy idea. And yet, it seems so characteristic of the way that God, I think, speaks to all of us. And it came out of where we are currently as a church and our three campuses and our vision for the future and what we want God to do in all of us. 
And what we heard was the Holy Spirit saying, will you believe that I can provide for you? <laughs> will, will you live your lives out of a place of generosity so that it becomes really clear? Nobody can mistake, I'm the one that's blessing you. Would you be willing to trust me in what I want to do for your lives and for the future? And I said, nope. No, of course, I said yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely, I would. So we started thinking about the legacy offering that we received. And we started thinking about how we could multiply our legacy in Kyle and down in San Marcos and in Buda. And so and here in a moment, I'm going to have them pass these buckets, and I'm going to give you something. Actually, you know what? Can I have one really quick? Can somebody just run one down to me really fast? In just a moment, we're going to pass these buckets, and I'm going to let you take out, thank you, Thomas, I'm going to let you take out an envelope like this. And this envelope, it has two things in it. This envelope has, one, it has this little card that says, something extra to show you God loves you. It's an acts of kindness card. We've, we've had these before. You've given them out to people before. You've taken care of people before. But the second thing that it has in it is it has this $50 bill. And I want you to take these two things, if you're willing to accept the challenge, and I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I want you to understand, for me, this is a sacred thing that we're about to do here. But I want you to take this over the next several weeks, and I want you to use it as an exercise in hearing the voice of God speak to you, and you giving it away to bless somebody else. But not only that, I want, it to, I want you to use it in a way to multiply our legacy out in this region, to multiply what Jesus is doing to help hurting people, to encourage them, to lift them up when they don't think they're going to make it anymore. So over the next few weeks, I want you to take this, if you're willing. You don't have to take it, but I want you to take it, and I want you to use it. And listen to the Holy Spirit. Start letting him. Just practice. Just say, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me and tell me who I should give this to? How do you want me to use this tool? And then just do what he says. If you hear it, it lines up with everything that we said here. Take this tool and use it for them. And by the way, that's all it is. It's just a tool to be a blessing to someone. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and his leadership and what he wants you to do. You can just give it to somebody that God speaks to you. You can do something to sow into a kingdom ministry, something all around the world. You might get together with groups of friends and really bless somebody in a huge way. You might gather some folks together and, and just scheme and pray and discern the voice of the Holy Spirit together and do something great. You just can't do it flippantly. I don't want you to just say, yeah, I'm sure, uh, okay, whatever. No, I, I want you to really listen, and I want you to do what he says and increase legacy out in the city. I want you to know that being a good steward of our finances, it, it really is very important to me and to us. So this is your money. This is a portion of the legacy offering. And all I'm doing is I'm putting it into your hands so that you individually can go and do something incredible in our city. And so I want you to take it seriously because we do. This is a big deal. Sometimes, just one more thing. Sometimes I also think you need a little bit more of a breakthrough in your life. And I feel like along with Pastor Ross and Pastor Russ that we as a church, we're in this moment where we need it. We need a little bit more of a breakthrough, particularly when it comes to our permanent locations and where we're going to be in buildings and, and property and all that stuff because we want to be rooted in this city. We love Evo, but we, wanna, we don't want to be portable the whole time. And so sometimes you just need a little something. You need an act of faith, an act of tremendous generosity. 
to sow into the city. And through that act of worship, it kind of shakes things, and your faith begins to shake things, and stuff opens up. We have a possibility for a building, everybody, but it's going to be a little over $2 million. For us to get somewhere, it's going to be around $2 million, which means we got to bring probably around 600000 We need faith to get to where God wants us to go. Do you want to go? Do you want to go with us? So sometimes you just need this faithful act, this extravagant act of worship, and your faith open up, opens up the windows of heaven. And that's what Pastor Ross wanted all of us to do as a part of this offering as well. So remember, you can do this in faith, or you can kind of do this flippantly. You can go and just give it away in faith and watch God do a miracle, or you can do it flippantly. You can do that with your kids. You can raise your kids in faith, or you can just kind of raise them and do your best. You can come to church in faith and receive, or you can just kind of do your best. One has spiritual repercussions, and the other one is just a waste of energy. I don't want to waste anybody's energy. I want spiritual repercussions in the heavenlies as lives are transformed, including yours as you give it away. <laughs> so listen, don't just do the easy thing. You can't, just, you can't just go in and just lay it down as a tip at a restaurant. You can't do that. Unless God says, and then you, you need to just give it to the waiter, waiters, waitress, and say, hey, here's what, here's what God, I, I think, said. I don't want you to do that. I want you to listen. I want you to do this in a faith-filled way. And I'm believing that God is going to do some incredible miracles as we start to do this together. Do you believe that with me? So they're going to pass these as we sing in just a moment, and I just want you to take one. Just one. Just take one, and if you don't, if you're not ready for the challenge, great, pass it on by, it's okay. But take one out, and over the next several weeks, look for your opportunity and give it away. Give it away and watch what God does out there. Watch what God does in here. Watch what God does in you. It's gonna be awesome. So we're gonna sing one more thing. We need to tell the stories when it happens. So when it happens, and you do it, and somebody responds, and something incredible goes, I just want you to email me. Would you please email me? Like, oh, that wasn't a great story. It doesn't matter. Email me. What am I asking for? Oh, God, help me. But, but in fact, here's my email address, brent.parsley at onechapel.com. Share your story with me so we can share your story with the world, so we can shake the heavens with our expectations, so that we can talk about your continued legacy out in this city, so we can see God do incredible things as you learn to hear his voice. And yeah, this is the craziest sermon illustration we've ever done. So we're going to sing this song together. They're going to pass, and then we'll pray over them, and then we'll go. So let's invite the Holy Spirit to be a part of this. Let's do this together.